Welcome to episode five of VISTA Table Talks. I'm Kim Chen, the Assistant National Director of the UPTAS VISTA program. This month's series gives our VISTAs a space to discuss their work, their successes, and their challenges. This month, in alignment with pride, our VISTAs and members of the Up to Us sports community are reflecting on their experiences as athletes and as members of the LGBTQ community. To lead this conversation, I'm going to pass it over to the founder of Rainbow Lab, an LA-based nonprofit that provides training to coaches and mentors who work with LGBTQ youth in sports spaces, Jacob Toops. Um, so Jacob, you can go ahead and take it from here. Hey, Kim. Thank you so much for allowing me to host today. I'm really excited to, um, to facilitate a fantastic conversation today around the LGBTQ community and sports. Um, but we have some fantastic folks with us today, and so I'd love to open the episode a little bit with some introductions and who's here today with us. Um, so let's kick it off. And, uh, and Nick, would you like to do an intro of you? And then I'd love to hear Emma and then, um, and then Erica, these three lovely panelists today. So kick us off, Nick. Absolutely. Um, so I'm Nick Eckert. I work at Up to a Sports in the development and fundraising department. Um, and I joined Up to a Sports about a month ago, um, and I've played sports my whole life. Um, so I have lots of experience there. Awesome, Nick. Thanks so much. And then Emma. Hi, my name is Emma Evangelista. I'm an AmeriCorps Vista for the summer, um, and I'm working at Rainbow Labs with Jacob. Awesome, 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 Emma and Erica. Hi everybody, my name is uh, Erika Oliveira. I am an AmeriCorps Vista this summer working with Up to Us Sports as a cohort leader and I play college soccer. Awesome. Well, Nick and Emma and Eric, I'm so happy to have you today for this really, what I find very valuable and important conversation um, between the LGBTQ community and sports. Uh, and so today we're gonna be talking a little bit about um, one, how does the community show up? What are some challenges that we're seeing in the community? What are some, uh, what's some progress that we're actually seeing in the community? And then even sharing our own experiences with sport. And I think that we share our lived experiences because we wanna offer that to folks within and outside the community to get a better understanding of who we are um, and how we show up in these spaces. Um, and much like Nick and Emma and Erica, I had the opportunity to serve as an AmeriCorps Vista as well for two years at UpTest Sports, which was a fantastic experience, really kicking off my own um, intro into what is happening with us and youth and LGBTQ specifically in the sports space. And in my own experience, I had witnessed that, uh, you know, through our AmeriCorps coaching program that we had a, many of our coaches that offered the space um, of inclusivity for the LGBTQ kids. Uh, and we had some transformative training and transformative experiences where some of those kids could show up and open up to their coaches. And so I have much hope for us in this community and especially with some of the amazing work that Upset Sports is doing in the space with trauma-informed care. But before I get really deep into all that stuff, and I'm gonna take a few steps back, let's just get to know a little bit more about Eric, Emma, um, and Nick. And so I'd love to share a little bit about um, all of our lived experiences through sport. So uh, Nick and uh, and then we go Emma, Erica, or you know what, I wouldn't have to rotate. Whoever wants to chime in here first, we uh, we want to keep this free flowing a little bit. But um, how about you share us first? Like, what was your your experience growing up in sport? You know, what did you play? Did you have a um, a team name that you're really excited about? What was your coaching experience? Um, just tell the audience a little bit more about your own lived experience through sport. I don't mind kicking off. Um... So I played sports my entire life. Like my dad put me into every sport you could think of when I was like four. Um, but I was very different from the other kids because I liked to do cartwheels and 
pick flowers and do splits when I'd made a good play. And I was, it was weird because I was very good at sports. Um, and so I had many experiences growing up where I was reprimanded, ridiculed, or even benched for my flamboyant <laughs> behavior on the field, um, which wasn't cocky or anything. It was just me having fun and being like, oh, I turned a double play with impeccable footwork. Let me do a cartwheel. Um, and so I just remember that being my experience and just feeling like maybe sports wasn't the place for me because I was constantly getting in trouble for my, not my, not my ability to play, but my behavior. Um, and so I hated sports for a really long time. I quit sports. I refused to play because I couldn't be who I was on the field. Um, and that was just very traumatic for me. So thankfully I've now found adult sports and LGBT plus leagues um, where I can be myself and play the sports that I love and ensure that other people my age and young kids have access to play the sports they love without compromising who they are. So. I love that, Nick. And, you know, funny enough, maybe you actually landed some of those cartwheels. Uh, in my early days, one of the first sports I tried was gymnastics, and uh, I couldn't get past the cartwheel phase, uh, and I failed, and I had to go actually backwards with some younger kids. So it wasn't very inspiring. I mean, one day, and I think like as I got older, I was like, man, I really actually could have been good at this sport if I would have just succeeded in, in landing a cartwheel. So at least one of us has done that. Uh, Emma and Erica, you want to share a little bit more about your uh, own sports experience? For sure, yeah. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, um, so my story is like kind of the opposite of Nick. So I grew up playing with all boys. Um, I was the only girl on the team actually up until like eighth grade when I was like oh well I should probably start playing with boys like I, I mean with girls like I should probably get into that and see how that's like the different game and stuff like that so I never thought like growing up I thought of this was like normal I was like oh this is fine like I'm just gonna be like another one of the guys whatever blah 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 and then um once like I grew up and stuff I saw that it was just like a totally different game and it was just fairly different but um I always felt like soccer was like I didn't really like care what other people thought about me, you know, because I already had grown up playing with like people who were different from me anyway. So I was like, oh, that that doesn't really matter for me. But like it was just always kind of an escape like from anything. And it was just like really helped me build my identity and who I am. And now seeing that the U.S. women's soccer team is so progressive with, you know. So amazing, right? Yes, exactly. Oh now it's God. just like, so and the little girl in me is just like, oh my God, like there's a spot for me here. Like this is so awesome. And I just hope that other sports, you know, start to really bring that light into other youth's lives because, it, you know, it's super inspiring to see. I'm sure folks here like listening to this podcast may or may not be super into Ted Lasso, but Erica, I saw that Ted Lasso, like he assumed his character um, and did a kickoff for the, the U S women's like intro for 2020. And it's just so great. And he's like such a great character and also a great example of what a coach could be in kids lives. Right. Um, but I just died side laughing and I'm yes. so excited. I don't know why, like the, the women's soccer team is always better than the men's. I have my own suspicion um uh, you know making so many oh, of the, uh, of the oh, own like uh you know all the different world uh the world cups and stuff and that we we participate into um the, even the olympics uh and i think we have a great team shaping up this year um yeah, so i love go, it i love the usa 2020 Woo! yeah <laughs> i love it um emma how about you you want to share a little bit about your sports experience growing up yeah definitely um so i'm a lifelong sports fan i'm originally from philly so very intense sports culture there. Go Yeah, Birds. they have that um, really weird Philly, the Philly Flyers, right? The the hockey. I don't even know what's yes. going on there, Emma. It's <laughs> it's very intense over there. 
we got to represent, rip the Sixers, et cetera. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I grew up a huge fan of sports. My whole family loves sports. And I also come from a family of swimmers. Um, so I actually was a competitive swimmer for most of my life um, from when I was a kid through high school. Um, and ultimately, I really enjoyed the experience. I definitely learned a lot of myself and like how to work with other people. Um, but, you know, I always sort of kept like it was sports and then there was other parts of my identity and my politics and my practice that kind of stayed separate from that. Um, so overall net positive, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think, uh, you know, much like we just talked about the Olympics too. I'm so excited. We just saw, you know, one of the first swimmers come out and actually, you know, qualify for the upcoming Olympics. Um, it's always one of my favorite sports. And I think like seeing our community show up in these spaces is especially on a world platform, right? Where they're going to actually be able to share some of their own stories about how sport is intersected in their own lives. Um, and we talk a little bit about sort of balancing these two identities of like who you are in sport and then who you are in the community. Um, and I think that having some of these folks show up in these spaces, especially in the Olympics, will get a little bit more uh, deeply of these like infusions of these two identities. So I love that, Emma. I wish I, you know, was good on the swimming side. It was just not my thing. Um, but but I religiously watched what, especially when it came in the um, the Olympics um, every single year. I love summer sports. And I think gymnastics, Nick, where I failed at, um, and swimming, which I never tried, but I still loved, uh, you know, being a spectator of the sport. Um, so talking, you know, pulling a little bit more about that, Emma, is we, we want to share and lean into this idea that, you know, as young people, we showed up to these sports. And it seems like from all the stories we share that we kind of had these two split identities, like one, who we showed up as a team member, who we showed up as sport, and then two, um, you know, who we are like in our own selves and in our community and how challenging that was to really balance these two um, out, especially as it kind of creates this imposter syndrome where we show up like in sport, not being able to be our full selves, or in like Nick's case, showing up to be his full self, but not being able to really fully appreciate about who he was, right, and how that may not have created such a safe space for belonging and affirmation. And so I'd love to discuss, you know, um, with all of us a little bit about like, how do we show up in these two, you know, these two identities and how do we grapple, especially as we've gotten older, we become adults and we've realized that having both of them put together creates our whole selves. And so um, let's just share together a little bit more about that, like as adults and we've, we've um, you know, bring these two identities together, someone in sport, um, someone in the community, uh, how do we merge these two and, and make our whole selves? Um, I'll start and just start with, um, with young people. Um, and I guess it's, it's comes from like an affirming or non-affirming of behavior. So if you have, you know, a young person on your team, if you're a coach and the child, you know, celebrates differently to like really, I don't know, push that forward and do the, do the cartwheel with them or do the twirl with them and show them that you know, sports is a place where you can be yourself. Um, you don't have to, you know, dumb yourself down any or, you know, take away a part of yourself in order to contribute. Um, you can be a valuable member member of the team being who you are. Um, and I think that also ties along with, you know, sports, people in sports and professional settings coming out and showing that, you know, we can be our host selves. We can go into the interview after the game and talk about our husbands and our wives and our partners and our spouses um, and not feel ashamed about that. So I think that I guess that's another piece of it is is having people in these professional settings coming out and being their their whole selves um, and showing that others can do the same. Yeah, I love that, Nick, right? Like as more stories are told from our community that, yes, you can play and like sports 
and be a part of the community. It, it may be mind blowing for some from some folks, but actually yeah. we do enjoy things besides just like you know the things coming out of the entertainment industry um, that we really do and can be both a great spectator um, and contributor to sports, and then also you know play the sport. Um, anyone else, Eric or Emma, do you want to share your own experience with how you fuse these two identities together as you got older? Yeah, so um, kind of like how you were saying, like, it's people usually keep them separate and the two identities. And I know, like, for a fact, like myself, like, I tried to do that as much as I could when I was younger, just because I, like, wasn't super comfortable with my sexuality and my identity. And, but the thing that I want to do is, like, obviously, like, now that I have, like, a college athlete platform, it's, like, you know, be able to, like, be more open and be like, yeah, like, I, I like girls, like, yeah, like, it's fine, you know, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Be ashamed of you know and it's it's something that you know is a big part of who I am and I suppressed it for such a long time and just seeing like I said like we have those like idols now it's just, like I want to be someone like that for someone younger you know just because it's it's so hard when you're young being comfortable just like that because it's, it's it was just something that like especially being a Latina woman like you just like you don't see a lot of representation like I don't think that I've, I've even seen like what like a Latina on the national team yet you know it's just like it's like yeah oh it, it's time that you know really start doing that to make a difference and like let's let's get some more color on the team you know like let's do that like yeah exactly and it's not you know Erica the it's not that using these these platforms, right, um, comes with a consequence, right? We're seeing some of these folks come out, um, and it's been over the last like ten plus years uh, that when they come out, they are getting backlash. And we may not see it less in the media, but I think social media really plays a role. Um, and I think the worst thing you can do is watch someone come out and then read their social media comments afterwards, because those are where some of the folks are hiding in the crack um, yeah. that that really have voiced their opinions and troll some of these folks. It's it's really sad to see. Yeah, um, if I could jump in. Yeah, yeah um, <laughs> thank you. Um, I I want to echo these sentiments and just be like representation and like encouragement in these spaces is so important. But I also want to push back on the idea that like members of the community have to perform that identity in mm -hmm. all spaces. Yeah. Um, I think becoming the quote unquote reluctant representative or, or the only member of the community that's publicly out in a certain space can be exhausting and very difficult and potentially yeah. even unsafe for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and so I think the idea that like you have to be your quote unquote whole self in all spaces is um, difficult and maybe even dangerous. And so I think there's merit yeah. to people just being like, this is sports and this is what it's going to be for me. Um, and, you know, you don't have to perform all of your identities at once, I think. Um, so I think there's merit to all approaches to this as well. Yeah, I totally agree, Emma. And it's even going backwards too, right? So I have a, my friend, um, Shami Coldclaw, who was on the LA Sparks and a WNBA player. She's amazing. Her and her wife have an amazing son, Cairo. Um, and they just got married several years ago. And so someone who's been in the sports industry for quite some time, you know, she slowly started to share this over time. And I think a part of Shanique's own journey was just discovering her own mental health journey and how these two identities, especially um, the many identities that Shanique holds um, from her past and into her present, are challenging to grapple with. And so sometimes showing up to be her full self is a lot in some of these spaces. And it may not be just, you know, sometimes she just wants to show up and play basketball. She doesn't want to be a representation of um, all the different identities that she is, because sometimes it can be really exhausting. <laughs> Yeah, I, li I like that thought, Emma, of like, you know, we, 
as much as we want to be able to be our whole self, sometimes we got to protect LGBT people and protect our mental health and protect our identities and and this expectation that you know you have to come out um, can be traumatizing as well because some people you know aren't like me where they don't want to do twirls and, and cartwheels they just want to play the sport that they came to play and go home and enjoy the sport um, so that's a that's a, a thought that I hadn't really considered Emma but I appreciate it greatly about yeah protecting LGBT people and allowing them to just not make it part of their identity and just going and playing sports so I love that too. Yeah, I think like showing up, Emma, sometimes is just, you know, casually having conversation about like uh, your spouse or your kids or your family structure or like what you do. And it's less um, about like having a platform to speak about it. And I think showing up in those spaces and that folks can just simply have a, a, an open conversation about their own personal lives with their teammates um, is empowering, too, because we're just reaching these audiences that um, our community never was able to show up in. And so as we create more of these spaces to show up in and to be, um, you know, to a certain extent, our own our own people, our own spaces, um, it opens up conversation for folks to ask questions and be curious. And I think that's the challenging part about being your whole self in this community is we're oftentimes faced with resentment about um, instead of like curiosity, discovery, question minded, right? Um, wanting folks to just like know more. And sometimes people can be afraid in asking like, what are your pronouns to um, what's it like, you know, in, in a marriage situation? I mean, I know when my husband and I got married, there's questions around like, who's the woman and who's the man? And so we're still oh, kind God. of in this as of three years ago, <laughs> you know, and these are just like conversations we have. But I mean, to your point, right, Emma is, is the fact that like even when these athletes show up in these spaces they're going to have to answer questions like that because there's still this like you know um holding space for having to explain how a relationship works which is no different than any other relationship it's just a, a lot of just how the system's been designed um thanks for sharing that emma anyone else have thoughts on on um or further thoughts nick yeah um i guess just going off of what Emma had said, I, I think about, I guess, the consequences of coming out or being your whole self. Mm -hmm. I think of like Michael Sam, who came out before he was drafted and perhaps it was his skill level, but perhaps he was blackballed by the NFL and not mm -hmm. given that spot on the team and not able to play in the regular season because of all the drama and all the hoopla around it. And then you think of Colin Kaepernick, who came out, not came out, but became vocal about things that matter to him yep. and his community and was, I mean, literally not allowed to play on a team because no one wanted to deal with the controversy. So, I mean, that goes with Emma protecting, you know, protecting people of marginalized identities and allowing them to just play their sports. So that, that came to mind as well. Yeah. Nick, what, what shows up for me in these conversations, I think we don't have enough time to talk about just like the, the amount of rainbow logos that we've seen this right. year, especially in the sports side, <laughs> which is like crazy. And we're, that's a whole rabbit hole conversation. I think that we want to stay away from. Um, but to honor the space that there's been a lot of that. And so there's a lot of conversation within the LGBTQ space, like, is this healthy? You know, does this cause more representation? You know, even within our own community, we're having questions about um, what does it mean to hold space for everyone? And how do we align for folks to feel like they can show up? I love that. Um, so I, I want to, you know, move on and, and talk a little bit. We had some of these conversations about bringing these, these whole identities together. And I think, Nick, you brought it out, right, which is like some challenges or access to sport, um, specifically a, around feeling safe in sport. And whether it's the kids or it's even adults, I think um, the sports community still faces barriers to entry for the LGBTQ community. And so let's have a conversation about um, exactly about that. What do you all see as um, some 
barriers to entry right now or some challenges that sport doesn't offer to our community? I mean, I think there's numerous and we can discourse about them, <laughs> but I think like all institutional structures, they are difficult to navigate for people of marginalized identities. Um, and so in that way, I think perhaps one of the major things is just unpacking the culture of sports yeah. um, and what it means for like, masculinity versus femininity and like this yep. idea of like oh your team is your brotherhood and all those sorts of ideas mm -hmm. of like I don't know just just very complicated cultural notions that can be incredibly toxic for LGBT plus folks and others as well and just in general can be a very toxic culture um and I think another one is like again that it comes down to this idea of it's very gendered all sports are it's often divided on the basis of sex um regardless of whether or not that makes sense and i don't have the answer on how to fix that but yeah. i think there's definitely um merit to start reckoning with those cultures and and what can we do to sort of shift absolutely. them in a more positive direction absolutely i mean emma when you bring up max um you know uh Toxicity, toxicity and masculinity, I think about the locker room. And the locker room can be a very unsafe space for any kinds of kids, for even in, in, in adults. And so, you know, I think the notion of a locker room is anything goes. Um, and I think the anything goes allows a lot of bad things to creep in. And so, you know, I referenced Ted, Ted Lasso earlier because I just love how he creates such like inclusive and safe culture in the locker room. You see a lot of scenes within um, in the series uh, centered around that. But, you know, exactly to that point, Emma, is like upending some of this like back-ended, well, when you're in the locker room, you can say whatever you want and it's fine because we're still teammates. And so it's this double-edged sword that um, sports culture has created where it's like we're safe and inclusive but not in the locker room if you're these kinds of people and having these kinds of conversations. Yeah, I think even like going off of that, I brought up a really big thing back when I was applying for college, like the first time I basically had like a full ride to this Christian university, but like I got to the end of my, of my application and it was like, you're going to abide by all the rules, like blah, 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 and that meant like not, I couldn't have a relationship with like someone who I love. And so I got to that stage and I was like, oh, wow, like, am I really going to go to a place to play the sport that I love where I am not like fully accepted? Wow. Just, yeah, that's just like one of the things that just was just like, okay, like, you know, I, yeah, sure, I'm going to not have to pay anything, but like, am I going to really want to be like my full self there? Am I actually going to like, you know, give it my all if they're, you know, that's not going to be reciprocated. So I think like just maybe even going that in college sports, like there's a lot of people who have to secretly even hide themselves even more because like, it's just like they're already not even accepted like there, but they're still able to play the sport. But at the same time, it's just like, you know, like you kind of still have to keep suppressing it. Like we need to like get away from that, you know? And the, yeah. the threat of like losing your scholarship and getting kicked out of school and, and having yeah. your life ruined. For exactly. Loving who you love, yeah, yeah, that's that would be a barrier for sure. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps continuing the cycle or, or fostering the cycle of like not being your true self, right? It's like we're gonna give you money, but be quiet about who you are. Like that's yeah. like the undertone of what we hear about some of this stuff. And some people, even teammates, may say like, "Well, it's not so bad, right?" Like, and they sort of minimize what the trade off is. But it's like we're trading our identity and who we are to be able to attend college um, or to play a sport that we really enjoy with people that we think. Um, 
um, could be really great in our lives. And so how do you balance some of these things? I think these are the hard choices that our community has to make that I think a lot of folks don't really understand, right? Is that, um, you know, and I think uh, as Emma talks a little bit about marginalized communities, I think this is where our community really intersects, right? Which is that other people in other communities also experience these things too. And I think over time, as we have communications across different communities, we can really learn from each other about how to navigate these spaces and really, you know, um, change the system a little bit. So thanks for, sh uh, for sharing, Erica, because that is a, it's a, it probably was a really tough situation for you. Um, just going with barriers, um, this, I'm in Louisiana and this happened two days ago where the, our governor actually struck down um, a discriminatory bill that would have banned transgender young people from participating in the sports that assigns with their, aligns with their gender. Um, and I, I think it's a literal barrier if you're being told you cannot play because of who you are. Um, thankfully, the governor struck it down, but I think that fear and the awful conversations that I've heard um, people talking about it and especially older people talking about why well, wouldn't want you know my daughter to have to play with you know I'm, I'm not going to repeat the awful things but we, we know mm -hmm. the record um, but I can't imagine what that would feel like for a young person um, who maybe isn't even of the LGBTQ community but especially someone who is the is in the community um, just being told that you know, people cannot play this sport simply because of who they are, um, that you're not allowed to. Um, I, I, that just makes me so upset. And that makes me so mad too, Nick. And, and you know, I'd seen, um, uh, you know, my home state is Texas. Uh, very, it's, it's progressing slowly and slowly. Actually, I will say, I found out this the last year, um, our high school prom um, had nominated their first LGBTQ person who won, which is really cool. Um, so I mean, it's progress, like in a town that, um, I, you know, was challenging for me to grow up in, but we're starting to see uh, uh, show up in some of these spaces. But, you know, on that, at the, at the floor of the Texas Senate, we saw an eight-year-old girl who was advocating for trans rights. And it's mm -hmm. just insane to think that kids in our community at eight years old have to do this and stand up. Um, and I, I just can't imagine, you know, how, I mean, first, like, we have to honor how brave it is, but then we have to have question, like, why is this happening? And, like, why do our kids have to show up in these spaces to make a point? And so when we're taking away folks' rights, it's because people are fearful. Um, and we, we see all kinds of people chiming in this conversation around um, trans people and sport and how is this going to change. But it also goes back to Emma's conversation around, like, gendered sport, right? People are afraid of, like, what happens? Oh, do, like, trans people get an advantage in certain sports because who they are and these really like weird notions that upend like what we traditionally built as sports but it should make people rethink and question like is what we built for sports inclusive for all kinds of folks and i think um when we balance nick like this this like government intervention into these conversations um versus like what sport is supposed to bring which is bringing people together and team and all these amazing life skills that they sort of clash with each other and um and my hope is that um, you know, eventually these conversations kind of bubble up and they ask questions and conversations with kids who really enjoy the sport. You know, sometimes kids have all of the questions um, and sometimes all the adults don't have or don't ask enough questions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we're seeing some positive trends. I will say that like swimming at the Olympics just added their first co-ed event. Um, so that's super exciting. And I think it's going to launch these larger conversations of like, why are we separating people 
based on what and why. Um, and so I'm excited to see the trend of where it goes. Cautiously optimistic. <laughs> yeah, me too, uh, Emma. Like, I think we see uh, three or four steps forward, a few steps back, right, in the community. And I think the, the hardest part about seeing this progress is we get really, really excited. Um, and then uh, and then we see these like backlashes for people that are afraid of some of the progress for our community. So um, I, I completely agree in, in all kinds of spaces we're showing up. And, uh, you know, I, last year we won the Supreme Court um, case for discrimination in the workplace. And now you can be out and free um, without, you know, your employer slapping anything down. And so it's great. And we're seeing all, all this progress at the same time. What comes with progress comes backlash. And so then we see all of these trans, um, you know, banning trans kids in sports, uh, bills coming out to to knock back progress a little bit. And so, you know, my hope, like yours for the future, is we have like more open conversations about showing up in these spaces and how it really, at least not a big deal um, for folks. Um, so we talk a little bit about barriers and I, and I do, you know, I wanna talk about here, um, and I'd love for the panel to react, right? Is like some of these stats that we're seeing within the community. Um, and I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but I do want to share that, you know, our community does have challenges that we currently face. We're seeing that like one in 10 LGBTQ youth are discouraged from participating in sport because of their gender identity or sexual orientation. Um, we see that more than 50% of transgender students are prevented from using the locker room of the bathroom that's aligned with their gender identity. It's exactly what Nick was talking about. And then we see positive aspects to sport participation for LGBTQ um, because we actually know, and this is the, the most frustrating part, and this is a good stat, that sports spaces can actually increase self-esteem um, and reduce like depressive symptoms. Um, and we're looking at like almost 18% in a study that the Trevor Project did where sports and physical activity um, lowers depression, anxiety, and LGBTQ athletes. And so it's so challenging to talk about these stats, right? Because we're seeing that we're, we have this barrier for our community to enter sport, and we actually can't receive the benefits from sport that everyone else gets. And we know through studies that even folks in our community, when they show up in these spaces, are better off, right? They're becoming better leaders. They're having better mental health. Um, they're more connected with people in the community. And so, you know, how do those stats make, make um, all of our, our folks here feel? Like, do you feel like we see some progress in there? Um, how does the, the challenges that I've listed out, um, you know, uh, make you feel or react to some of this? I guess, so obviously, as someone who I play sports probably four times a week, I for sure remembered when COVID happened and everything shut down that my mental health took a large dip. I'm sure everyone's did during COVID, but... Um, just that inability to get outside and, you know, play basketball, play softball, play flag football. Um, and so I just imagine all the kids who, you know, could get some kind of relief or, you know, positive mental health impact from sports that aren't getting it because you said one in 10 feels uncomfortable. I mean, to even engage in sports because of their identity. So, um, yeah, how do we bridge that gap? How do we close that? close that gap and loop there and, and get more kids into sports. Yeah. Like how do we, how do we foster and whether it's like the team culture, whether it's coaches, whether it's training of coaches, whether it's the sport in general to open the door for people to not feel like they can't be their full selves um, in sport. Right. Um, because we, they should also be accessing some of those. I thought that was really stark to Nick, the stat one in 10 LGBTQ youth are, are discouraged from participating in sport because of who they are. 
Yeah, and like even like you said, Nick, like when COVID hit and I just couldn't play soccer with anyone anymore, I was just like, wow, like this just makes me want to like go crazy. Like I just, that's all I wanted to do. Like I just wanted to play even more. So like, you know, it's just like, how can we make kids feel like so included and so like, like if they are wanted at the team and stuff like that, because that that's what like sports is all about for me. You know, it's like being around people who have that same mindset, who have that same mm-hmm want to like you know just be better and do better and like how do we make them feel as included as you know everyone else yeah and it's it's interesting erica you bring this up because both you and nick and even myself like i went for runs during covid um there's some opportunities to like do a few like workout things i'm one of those people that does crossfit i know don't kill me it's not a real sport um but it does have team and comedian culture and so let's just let that pass a bit um but with that yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and with that though, it's just um, you know, the we we all all of us here um have benefited from the benefits of sport, and we, and I think um later on in life we've seen more benefits because like Nick has mentioned, he's a part of LGBTQ sports leagues, and so when we're not feeling included in what already exists in you know general practice, then we go create our own thing. Um, because we really feel and we know the benefits of team and community and sport um, should be accessible for our own community. And so instead of like merging these two things together, where all folks are inclusive, um, we've had to bridge that. And I think that's the current solution to some of these challenges, right, is if we don't feel included, then we're going to go create our own space. I think the challenge is that the dialogue ends up getting separated from the folks that are continuing to play sport in a very traditional sense um, versus folks who have had to, you know, bring their own belonging and inclusivity into a sports um, type world that makes us feel like we can show up and feel affirmed. Yeah, I think, I think in terms of creating a more inclusive environment in sports, I think it should start young for lack of a better phrase. Um, Because I think in general, I didn't know that being LGBT was quote unquote, wrong and intense air quotes around that um <laughs> until someone told me right for right. for for me and i think for many right. of us it's just like this is our existence and we don't understand the complications of it until someone tells us or makes us feel uncomfortable or unsafe um and so i think in terms of sports it's it's really about like training coaches to create this culture amongst young yeah. people to kind of be like that was wrong don't say that here's why or like Um, let's have this conversation. Or if a kid is like, this is what I'm feeling. Is that weird? Then you can support that kid properly. Um, And so I think if we just start creating this, um, you know, training people to create a more inclusive culture at like the very base level, then those athletes are raised in a more inclusive culture. And then they're more likely to take that to future teams and create something better in the locker room, like we were discussing. Um, And so I think like, we just have to encourage people to have those conversations um, as soon as they come up because dancing around it, I think ultimately makes the problem worse. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I have a, a personal story to go along with what Emma said about, Please. you know, mm-hmm. stopping it early or interjecting early. So in high school, I wasn't out um, and someone on our team started dating another boy at our school um at our this was basketball high school basketball and i don't know if there was ever anything overtly said to him but it was stuff said in the locker room in his presence um and it was enough that he quit the team 
just because he couldn't deal with the awkwardness, the, oh, let's all go, you know, to this party. Oh, you, you can't come, like, just excluding him. Um, and he was good at basketball. So, like, <laughs> it, yep. it, it was it was it was awful to lose him because he was great. Um, and the only reason we lost him is because he did not feel comfortable. And I just wonder, I mean, my coach was great, but I wonder if he could have done more to prevent that and to make sure that he felt he was mm -hmm. safe to continue playing a sport that he loved. Um, so that's a, a tangible thing that happened in my life that goes exactly with what Emma said, that maybe the coach could have done more. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Nick. Like in these spaces, um, and, and I'd be curious to know if these spaces were inclusive, would we feel like we could show up more, right? And I think that we talk about like skill set and talent and, you know, the way that we communicate and all these like great benefits that our community brings to sport. Um, and if you create a safe and inclusive space, it only just helps the team because then they have more people to pick from. So, you know, it's like when you create a safe and inclusive space, you actually have more talent um, and more opportunity to create a safe and inclusive culture in team. And like Emma mentioned, like it's an it's a learning opportunity. I think the hardest part maybe for coaches is that, you know, they don't believe that their role is to facilitate conversations around culture and conversation around who people are and their identity. Most coaches show up and say, I'm here to, to just coach a sport. And much like your experience, Nick, like I grew up playing basketball and baseball and those kinds of conversations with my coaches never existed. They were always like, you know, I came from like the parent league. So it's not like, you know, they were professionals in any sense. Um, but, you know, there was never a conversation around how do we create safe, inclusive spaces for all kinds of people like that never would have existed 15 years ago. Even that conversation um, coming out of their mouth, it was always showing up and how we're going to be better. Um, how do we win this game? You know, how do we make sure that, um, you know, we continue our winning streak, whatever it might be, and never about like, oh, two guys are fighting or a conversation around like their family or just these like very deep emotional things that sport can really help heal kids with. Um, if the coach facilitated it and was trained in that manner. And so to Emma's, um, you know, to Emma's point is, you know, it could be really interesting to see uh, some of the LGBTQ training for coaches, right? Like I know that some uh, hard parts about creating safe, inclusive spaces is simply that they are afraid to ask questions. And so if you show up and you say, hey, I have answers for you, let's have an open conversation about pronouns because I know that you may not understand or what non-binary means or, you know, what sexual orientation is. Um, all of these things can be heavy handed um, for folks to soak in. And sometimes it's just fear um, and embarrassment of not knowing. Um, and we love the internet and you can Google anything. Um, and you can also find facts and you can find fiction. So um, I think, you know, in those spaces, where our community can show up um, and help coaches feel educated and supported can hopefully foster a more safe, inclusive space. You know, and with that, and I love, um, you know, earlier on, Nick and Erica talked about some of these benefits um, with mental health with sport. And so, you know, I'd love for folks to share. We've talked a little bit about the downside of sport, but I want to talk about the upside, which is all the benefits that we get from sport. And so whether we, you know, we're fully engaged in sport as kids um, and have the opportunity to participate even for a short amount of time or later in life, um, I'd love for all of us to share what is like one or two things you brought from, um, from sport in growing up into your adult life. Um, and that could be anything from like team and collaboration uh, to working with other folks that may not look like you or may not hold your same values, but you came together as a team. And so I'd love for folks to share, what are some benefits you got from sport? The biggest one, I think for me was like growing up, like I was always the one that wanted to keep, continue playing soccer, continue doing 
stuff like that. And like, um, luckily, like, you know, I had my family that was like, hey, if you want to do it, then, you know, we can support you. But like, I built this big, like, belief in myself, you know, because I just like, like I said, like, I, I came from like a small town that was like low income, mostly Latino, half Native American. And the way that I got played a club was I had to go play in, a, in an hour town away that was just all white girls. So I was mm-hmm. on the soccer team again, you know? And so, you know, I just had to keep that belief in myself. Like, even if these girls don't look like me, like I'm still going to try my hardest to do my best to try to compete with them. And if they have like these other resources, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out another hour earlier. I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to do that. And so that, that really, um, you know, has like shine now that I'm a college athlete and it's just like, you know, if you want something, you've got to go get it yourself. Like no one's going to be pushing. Your mom's not going to be there. Hey, hey, go do this. <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, you got to be the one that has to go get it. So, you know, even just like applying for this internship, I was just like, you know, like it, it could be, you know, something that is like very competitive, but I'm going to try to go out there and do my best and be my best. And, and that has like really been a huge thing because it like I can now work with like people who have different values than me who don't look like me and like stuff like that. So that's huge. And I like hope that um, other people can also have that um, ability. Yeah. I love that, Erica. What like a story of resiliency, right? Um, not only like that you had to travel so far away to even access for, but that you showed up um, and that you still learned uh you know, some amazing life skills from that. And so resiliency obviously carries, carries us much um, older in life as we experience so many um, kinds of challenges. We lean back on some of those experiences and say, remember that time that I had to drive so far away um, and I had to, you know, access sport in a way that um, folks didn't look like me or share my values, but we had a great time and I learned all these amazing things. And so I love that story around resiliency and showing up. I think, um, I think part of life and part of, anything you do, whether it's in your job and your personal life is failure. (laughs) No one is void of, (laughs) no one is void of failure. Everyone fails every once in a while. Um, And I think sports, you don't win every game. You don't get hit every time you kick the ball over the goal when you had an easy Mm -hmm. shot. Like it's just Mm -hmm. as part of sports. Um, And I think that learning failure and learning how to improve and make adjustments from experiencing failure, I think is something that I, have taken with me um, in every aspect of my life, for sure. Um, and how to witness another person experience that same failure and lift them up instead of put them down. Um, and that translates from, you know, if it was your teammate who struck out with two outs at the end of the game and you had a run on third and you didn't score the, the tying run, um, to uplift them and make sure they feel supported. And then it's the same thing in the work environment. If somebody, you know, makes a mistake on a spreadsheet and then the whole spreadsheet is ruined, um, how to lift them up, kind of teach them a way to make an adjustment to not do the same thing again. Um, so that's definitely something that is a direct parallel between sports and personal life, work life. So Yeah, I love that, Nick, because it's like also taking risk, right? Because failure and risk kind of happen in tandem. And so if we don't uh, show up and get the opportunity to, to fail, then we also don't get the opportunity to take risk. And I think those are something um, that's so important as we grow up in adults and we're in different workspaces, or we want to try a new thing, or, you know, we want to take risks in the workplace, um, and, and strive to be like a better, you know, person in the workplace. And so some of these things in sport are so tangential that carry us, I think we, we just forget a little bit. And then we look up and we're like, oh, I remember that one time, 
uh, when I was a kid, I was playing baseball and A, B and C happened. And what a, like, what an experience I learned from that. And I'm so glad and thankful to take that into, you know, my adulthood. Definitely. I think just jumping in one big thing that I learned from sports is like, seeking support um swimming specifically is like simultaneously a very individual sport and then an extremely team oriented sport because at the end of the day it's you against the clock and you're in the pool and you swim by yourself um but you're also still very much a part of the team um and so something that i found really useful from that was like yes i have my own things and i am responsible for my own person and you know at the end of the day it really is me versus my job or the clock or the world or whatever it is. Um, but also there are people behind me that I can seek support and motivation and, and all those sorts of things from. Um, and so like it is you, but it's also you and everyone else that supports you. Um, and so I found that, you know, just learning to rely on other people is also something super valuable. <laughs> yeah. It's like looking around and being like, man, all these people are here and they've shown up not only for my team, but for me too. Um, and how we feel like we get like those hints of affirmation, right, in, in sport. Um, and as a young child, like, I think for all of us, we were seeking affirmation in, in different ways. And so sport lended even just a small piece of like, what if I'm affirmed beyond my sport skill or beyond my ability? Like, what an amazing life I could have. And so I think having those moments, those, those silver lining moments in sport as kids um, really helped us lean into our adulthood and like who we are. And in my own experience, you know, um, I, you know, I played basketball and I played baseball and in both of those team sports, much like Erica and Nick and Emma have all shared, um, team sports allows an opportunity for everyone to participate in a very, um, in a very different way. And so everyone holds a very important position. If it was anything or any of my coaches told me anything at all, it's that one, everyone belongs here, double-edged sword, uh, and two, that um, everyone plays a, a very important role. So whether you're in the outfield and baseball, um, although it can be sometimes boring back there. I remember as a kid, I'd like lean down and like pick flowers just because I was like, I'm so, so bored. Like, what am I doing out here? Um, but, you know, when those moments happen and a pop fly hits and then you catch it, it's having that moment and being like, oh, I, I recognize the role that I played in this team today. And I think what sports and team um, offer is this ability of that every person plays a very important role. And in adulthood, when we think about um, organizations we're a part of or roles that we play, we know that whether you're in marketing, you play a very important role. When you're in the fundraising world and the nonprofit side, you also play a pivotal role. And how do we make sure that we work together under this organizational umbrella to uplift the mission? And so that's what's really exciting and, and taking away from the benefits of sport is this ability to um, you know, go from that everyone has a role and then what does that look like in the workplace and in our lives? Um, I love I love that because I think that sports continues to to offer these opportunities for us. Um, you know, one thing I do want to talk about, and I want to loop back to with um, you know comments earlier about showing up in different spaces, especially um, representation, is we're seeing a lot of like TV and film happening, right? Um, I think in the '90s when I was growing up playing sport, the representation I saw was Will and Grace, and although an old school show for me. Um, I didn't really see myself there, but we also didn't have social media at that point. And so you kind of take what you get when you see our community show up. And I think as time has gone on, we've seen social media, um, you know, and the advent of social media where we show up in many different spaces. And so like Emma had talked about earlier, right, when you come out and you have this platform, um, social media can be an abrasive um, space, but it also can be an aggressive space as well for our community. And so how does how do we feel that like sports and, and, um, and social media and, and homophobia show up? 
and affect you know these converse, these larger conversations we are all having right now about like the locker room conversations about like inclusivity with like coaching um you know how does social media both help us and then how does social social media actually like hinder some of these conversations don't read the comments <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> just don't do yeah, it you know what's in there you know what's going to say <laughs> yeah I, we, everyone has had, had that moment where they're just like what you know this is really controversial I'm so excited to read the comments and then you get three down you're like nope I don't think I can read these anymore because uh, I don't think anyone is actually having fruitful conversation in the comments <laughs> yeah I love your point Nick's, Nick's best practices please do not read the comments <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Um, don't read the comments for sure. But the, another one is, um, I think it helps really build like a community. Like, you know, obviously when the pandemic happened, I downloaded TikTok. I don't know how many of you guys. Did. Uh, no. I downloaded TikTok and I was like, wow, I feel like I'm so accepted right here. Like the algorithm is just so accurate. Like I'm getting so much LGBTQ content, the most I've ever seen. And yeah, like... This, yep. this is what I need. <laughs> so, like that, honestly, like you know, as as like cliche, cheesy, whatever it sounds, like it did really help me out. And I was like, wow, like it's nice to see that there is other people out there, like me and stuff like that. So I think in that sense, and especially like now that more teenagers have like their own stuff on, mm-hmm. it's easier to like hide, I guess, in the sense that you could say like that. But like it just made me feel a lot better, and I'm hoping that it did. Like, I love that. Yeah, I love that too. Like I, I think we're seeing, um, you know, TikTok doing a few things like five facts about the LGBTQ community, or um, they're sharing their own experiences about what it means to be, you know, gay or a lesbian, or even just like questioning in the community. Uh, what's so interesting is when we held, um, or when Rainbow Labs was forming, we were holding some of these focus groups back in February. We had twelve focus groups with LGBTQ kids to really figure out what mentoring means to them. And one thing that kept coming up, um, which is so interesting, is there's a TikTok video, Erica, that went around, uh, and it's called the Lesbian Manifesto. I had no idea this even existed, um, but the kids were sharing. And one girl was just saying, you know, um, I was on TikTok, and I saw these people talking about the Lesbian Manifesto. And I was like, tell me more. Please share. And she said, you know, um, we just don't really know what it means to be a lesbian or if I am a lesbian and I'm questioning. And so it's a whole Google document that kids had created and started sharing with each other about their experiences of being a lesbian, which is mind blowing for me, but it was social media and TikTok that spread that around so kids can contribute. And it's kind of this collective hive mind of like, how do we make sure that we figure out what these principles are? I think the funny part is like being older adults in the community were like, I don't think it's as easy as reading a manual to figure out who you are. But I think like when we're seeking solstice, we're seeking, you know, community, we're really trying to find um, answers. And I think that um, this is a way for kids to feel safe and confident in who they are. Um, and it's all attributed to a video that happened on TikTok that now a lesbian manifesto um, has come out. And now I see that like everyone here is probably going to go read it right now because it's just very interesting. But I highly encourage you to. It's, it's, it's pretty mind blowing. Yeah, I think social, I have a very complicated relationship with social media and that I love it, but it's not good for me. Um, But I think, I think it's really useful in a variety of ways. It helps you connect with people. It helps you find community. Everyone's done the frantic 
am I gay quiz? You know, we've all done it. So like, it's definitely useful and helpful and supportive. Um, I also think it's dangerous and like, yes, don't read the comments, but it also makes it easy not to circle back to sports, but for like very hollow gestures to appear, I think as well, like not to open the can of worms, but changing a logo and calling it a day and being like, I am an activist. Um, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think there's definitely merit to those things because it can make people feel seen and safe and included. And I don't want to devalue that at all. But I also (laughs) think there's value in being like, okay, well, let's see you back it up. Um, Let's see you support LGBTQ youth in some way. Let's see you donate. Let's see you support a sports program that is inclusive and and a good model. Um, And so I think like social media allows us to sort of just be like, well, I've tweeted there I've done it um and I think you know we shouldn't let that drift away from actively supporting kids and their interests yeah I love that Emma I I find the same thing um what is it called like performative action on social media right so this idea that it's like oh I saw the um this sports team had changed their logo to rainbow like and then everyone shares it and then there's like this weird siloed conversation about how they feel that they're an ally to the community and I'm like that's great. Yeah, and we, we're starting these conversations and like there's so many opportunities, whether it's affirming kids, volunteering, donating, like how do we support some of this stuff? Um, so I think that's, uh, that's, that's exactly it, Emma. Um, so the, the last question I have for, for folks is, I, and, and to wrap us up today is um, simply like what positive changes have you seen within or what do you hope for the future of the sports space? I think that the creation of adult LGBT sports leagues is a great way to start. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're not going to change the overall sports culture um, overnight, but what we can do is get LGBTQ plus adults playing the sports they love. Um, Unfortunately, those don't exist for young people, but I think that's a good place to start, start the conversation there and then see where from there we can branch out and reach out to our youth and get our babies into sports because we know they want to play. We just know that they don't feel like they can. So. I love that, Nick. I love this, like, um, you know, this continued creation of like adult sports leagues um, for the LGBTQ community. And then how do we link these to the next generation of kids? Love yeah. It. Yeah, that's so nice, especially because like, you know, the kids that you like, they have the future, no matter what's taking it. So obviously, like, I think the big thing would be, you know, like having like those grassroots people, like coaches and, and people that look like you, just more people that. Yep that you can actually relate to on a personal level because you know it's one thing having like this amazing like white coach who's a personal trainer and does this and this and that and it's just like yeah you're gonna help me but I don't really see myself in you like I don't really Mm -hmm. story like that or coaches who look like these kids more coaches who are from there like I think that's where you're really gonna see the change is because they're gonna have that like like actual person like oh they know what I've been through Yep, exactly, Erica. Jumping off of that, I would like to see people in positions of power simply support people Mm -hmm. who are doing the work. There's so many amazing organizations um, that are supporting marginalized people and their interest in sports and supporting them and like pursuing that um, or like creating community around that. And I would like to see the perhaps more institutionalized structures support those smaller things that are happening because they are. Um, we just don't want to look at them or we ignore them. And so I think, you know, spending some time shouting them out would just be a big step forward, I think. 
Yeah, I love that, Emma. I think my hope is, is much like Merge with all of you, is how do we create more spaces for our kids to participate in sport? And so linking Nick's um, opportunity with like, how do we get adult leagues to run kid leagues, right? Be coaches for the next generation of kids. Like what an awesome opportunity there. And then for the folks that are in the coaching space, how do we get them proper training um, and connection with our community? So one, they don't feel fearful and they feel more curious and they want to discover more about who we are as people and creating safe and inclusive spaces for our kids to show up in their own sports because we don't want to continue to divide the community between like this is LGBTQ sports and then this is non. We want to make sure that we create and I really want a, a future where we have exactly what Emma talked about, right? Um, that gender is not a contract when it comes to sport, that we have more co-ed leagues, um, that all of these things really hinge on the fact of like that sports is a safe, inclusive space for all kinds of people. And so my hope for the future is whether it's training or coaches um, or like, you know, creating a opportunity to reach across the aisle, like Emma had said, especially for marginalized communities, that I have immense hope for it. And I think that having these conversations now will prepare us for the future. So thanks so much, everyone, Emma, Nick, Erica, for joining today. Um, I will say that for anyone that is listening today, if you want to know more information on how to support youth in the community, you can go to our website, rainbowlabs.org. Um, the Trevor Project is another great resource with a ton of resources on their own website. If you want more information about creating safe, inclusive spaces and sports, you can also visit uptousports.org. Thank you all so much for joining us. It's been such a great conversation. And I can't wait to continue these conversations with folks like us as we talk about creating safe, inclusive spaces in sport for our community. Thank you so much, Jacob, Emma, and Erica. That was an amazing conversation. And thank you everyone for listening to episode five of Vista Table Talks. Please be on the lookout for the next episode coming next month.